0: Welcome to Episode 14 of The Right Start. I'm Lisa Iannucci, and this podcast is all about becoming a successful full-time freelance writer. I've been where you are and where you want to be, so I'm sharing my many years of experience with you. You'll also learn from my amazing guests about writing for different genres, finding ideas, finding work, pitching, and more. But most importantly, you'll learn about making money. Let's get started. Hey everyone, one of the first pieces of advice that someone, including myself, will probably tell you, and maybe a teacher in school already did, about becoming a good writer is to write what you know. For some of you, that might mean taking a hobby like bird watching or video games or technology and using those experiences or that knowledge to turn into an assignment with magazines, newspapers, websites, or maybe you'll even write a book about the subject. For some of you, though, writing about what you know means taking intimate and sometimes difficult personal experiences that you go through like divorce, miscarriage, parenting, loss and turning that heartbreak or triumph into personal essays or books where you can get paid to share what you've learned and your experience with others. Now, in my opinion, it's actually one of the hardest types of writing to do because it means sometimes taking a difficult thing you went through and pouring the words out onto a page for the world to see. When I started writing, the first personal experience article I sold was with my then-fiancé and I. We were going to have two wedding receptions, one in the town we lived in for mostly my side of the family and one in another in his hometown in Pennsylvania where his family could attend who couldn't necessarily make it up to New York. I sold my tips and experiences about having two receptions in two different states to Brides Magazine. Then I had babies, three of them. And I used some of what I went through with them as fodder for parenting articles. My daughter had a speech impediment, and my son was born needing urological surgery. More articles. But then my husband became sick with cancer and ultimately passed away. I turned that experience into articles for insurance publications on what to make sure you do. And I even created a website for young widows. I wrote about raising children alone and taking trips with signs, yes, signs, that my husband was with us. I continued to use my personal experiences to write articles on both my thyroid cancer and my breast cancer. But how do you do this? How much do you share and why should you share it? Should you tell such personal experiences to make money or for some other reason? I think for everyone it's different. But for me, I can say it not only gave me assignments on things I knew I could write about and things I knew I could write about easily, but it also helped me to work out my feelings about some things on the subject and help others at the same time. This is why I'm glad my guest today came on the show. I've known Jen for years. She is seriously one of the most inspirational people I've ever met. Talk about turning what she's going through into articles and a thriving business. She's hilarious as well, and I wanted her to talk about how she does it all and why. So I hope this interview inspires you and helps you to figure out what personal situations in your life would make a great article for a publication, and that you'll hopefully pitch it and hopefully land that assignment. If you do, let me know what you pitched. I'd love to know who you sold it to. In the meantime, enjoy this interview with Jen, and I'll see you on the other side. So, on this episode of The Right Start, my guest is award winning author Jen Singer. And this is an interview I know you're going to listen to the whole thing, you're going to come back and listen to it probably more than once, and you'll see why in just a few minutes. But Jen has been the founder of the Mama Said blog, the author of multiple Stop Guessing Yourself books on parenting, an incredible speaker, ghostwriter, and writing coach. And in 2007, she was diagnosed and ultimately beat stage 3 non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, Last year, that's my husband clapping for you, and last year she fought a tough battle against COVID-19, which left her with a pacemaker. Through it all, Jen's documented her thoughts about her COVID struggles and progress and recovery through what she calls her songs and her heartbroken, erratically posted thoughts about life after COVID, and we're going to talk about all that. But what I can tell you is that her writing makes me laugh, it makes me cry, and it absolutely inspires me. She's inspired others in her keynote speeches, and she's overcome some of life's biggest struggles and continues to amaze me, and I'm so excited she decided to talk to me today because you're all going to learn just so much from her. Jen, welcome to my show.
1: Thank you, Lisa. It's so nice to talk to other people. I'm trapped in my house.
0: <laughs> I know, I know, and I really wish I could have done this on video, you know. That would have been a lot of fun, but I'm not set up for that yet, so I'm going to have to have you back down the road. Deal? Deal. Awesome, awesome. All right, so before we get to some of these really hard topics, you know, with with your health and things like that, let's go back to little Jen, because did little Jen always <laughs> want to be a writer?
1: Yes, little Jen wrote stories. Gosh, when I was eight or nine, I wrote stories just for the fun of it. So I think even back then I knew I wanted to be a writer, even though I told my family I wanted to be a pilot, because I saw a female pilot one day. (laughs) And then I wanted to be a veterinarian, and then you know didn't do so well in chemistry. So I, it, I just have always had stories in my head, and for me, writing lets you say things and share emotions that are you can't do,
0: mm-hmm. you know, while
1: you're standing in line at the supermarket.
0: Now, did you have particular writing goals when you started? Did you say, "I want to publish books," or "I want to do this mm-hmm. full time," or "I want to be a you know storyteller"? Like, what were your goals?
1: So, actually, originally, I, I majored in communications at Boston University with a concentration in advertising, and I thought I was going to be a copywriter, and wound up becoming an account person because I was good with people. And did that for a little while and then decided, no, i really like to be a writer. So I went off on my own and freelanced. In the very beginning, I don't think I had huge goals other than, you know, to have enough clients to pay for things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, I would take whatever I could get. And then eventually, I think the the real creative stuff Started happening after I had kids in the late '90s, and you know this—I was one of the original mom bloggers. I mean, 2003, I started. Mama said that was that was uh, before anyone had put the words "mom" and "blog" together. Quite frankly, and there were a bunch of us online at that point. It wasn't so much about being an influencer as it was about being a writer and sharing, you know, the not so great and difficult, and also lovely and wonderful parts of parenting. And I knew then that I wanted to get, you know, published in magazines, which I did, and then eventually five parenting books. And I blogged for Good Housekeeping for two years. So I don't know that I answered your question,
0: but there's an answer. You did, you did. But it's interesting because it sounded like, like, you know, we talked about having the goals and wanting to be a writer, but it sounded like you took that plunge where a lot of people will go, okay, I'm going to have a certain amount of money in the bank, and then I'm going to leave my job, and then I'm going to become a writer. Um, You took a plunge without really kind of having that, set up both as a, in the beginning and as a mommy blogger, right? Well,
1: yeah, because I was a terrible employee. So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and that's
1: not necessarily, I was actually a very good employee, but I didn't enjoy it. And mm. I like uh, being my own boss. And so this, was a way to be my own boss, and I figured it out fast. I mean, I got in the very beginning before kids. There, I I was writing newsletters. Remember newsletters, <laughs> <laughs> like printed newsletters. I mean, and um and I had enough clients to stay afloat. But I I think that eventually, what mattered to me was the, you know, the message I was getting out. And so I found I could get the message out and actually make money at it and build a little, you know, a tiny little empire I had for a while
0: there. Mm -hmm. How do you do that raising little kids? Because a lot of people that listen to this are like, okay, I got to work, I got to raise my kids, but I really want to do this. How, How do you do that?
1: Yeah, and especially, I mean, kudos to all the pandemic parents out there. I just want to <laughs> give you all a high five, at least with my elbow, um, because my kids are grown, and I can't imagine how hard it is to do what you're doing right now. But what I did back when uh, the kids were really little is I worked when they were in school, and that was preschool, so it was like, you know, you an hour and a half, <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I worked at night. And sometimes I would get a babysitter, local, you know, neighborhood kid, um, to come in and take care of them. And on those days, even if I just stared out the window, I was writing. I was not, now I'm going to go do laundry. Now mm-hmm. I'm going to go do this. You had to carve out time and space for it. And I, I mean, that just, it sounds like a cliche, but we don't do that.
0: Mm -hmm. especially
1: parents, do not do that. There's always something else where you're putting someone else in front of you. But if you don't take that time, even if it's carving out one day or the middle of the night, whatever you can get, you're never going to get it off the ground.
0: That That's really true, and I mean, looking back now at how you started, would you have done anything differently, um, you know, in any approach, whether it be marketing, querying, the kids, anything would you have done differently?
1: Yes, yeah, you just made me think about it. My mom used to take, I had these uh, note cards that, that were about Mama said, they were, it had a funny picture of my kid with food all over his face, and it said, and then it hits you, you're not going to be able to wear white again until he leaves for college or whatever, <laughs> graduated high school or whatever it was. And she would hand them out at the mall to people with strollers oh, no. because we didn't have social media, people. right? You have social media. You have Facebook. You have a shortcut. I used traditional media because, really, I was starting, you know, Mark Zuckerberg was just thinking about Facebook and Harvard at that point.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you have that advantage and that means that you have access to a whole network of people who can help you. But don't just throw things like throw things out like spaghetti and see what sticks. Make a plan. You know, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to promote. This is what I'm selling. Don't just put things out there to try and be found. And you know, think you're going to get the Netflix deal from it. You might, but
0: that's not a plan. That's great advice. And when you were, when you did all of this, when did you realize that you know, or, or I don't even know if some people think about this, but considering yourself a success and saying, okay, I I make X amount of dollars to support um, my kids, and when when did that turn come from you? For you, do you remember?
1: Oh yeah, I know exactly when it came. So um, back in the, I don't know what we call that decade, the aughts, the zeros, whatever that was Zero, 20 yeah. years ago, um, the companies were still at that point hiring spokespeople on their behalf. So I was a pull-ups potty training partner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I taught people how to potty train. And uh, one day Hershey's came knocking and wanted me to do a satellite media tour, which is when you are beamed into... TV stations across the country, one after the other, and also radio, and you deliver a message. And this was about staycations because the economy was bad um, and, you know, making s'mores and blah, 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 which we did. I mean, Mm -hmm. I lived in a lake community with the kids. We made s'mores. This made sense. I'll support s'mores. Mm -hmm. And um, they paid me a large sum of money to do that for one day. It was the most money I've ever made in one day. And that's when I knew I
0: had made it. Awesome. Um, we, I remember your pull ups. Yeah. Sure. I, and it feels like yesterday and it's yeah. not. And your kids nope. are grown and mm-hmm. ridiculously talented and, and <laughs> just amazing kids. Um, so, you know, this is the hard part because of course, you're going along, and you're, you're, have, you're running this great blog, and you're doing really well, and then you get hit with a cancer diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Tell my audience a little bit about how that came about and how you were diagnosed.
1: So I was playing tennis every week and thinking I was falling out of shape because it was getting harder and harder to breathe. And that went on for months. Because when you are 40 years old and you have little kids, you're tired because you're 40 years old and you have little kids.
0: <laughs> That's mm-hmm. what
1: doctors will tell you. Yep. So I was not diagnosed for eight months. And by the time I, they found it was, a, it was a tumor the size of a softball in my left lung, it was not lung cancer, it was non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. By the time they found out, I was two months from death. I would have had a heart attack or my lung would have collapsed, and uh so I had to go into chemo. I was in, in the hospital having chemo for like 10 days, and then I had to go back again, and my kids were only 8 and 10, and it was really, really hard uh, for obvious reasons, and it was really hard on my kids. At the same time, it was my best career year. Well. <laughs> I just been signed on with um, good housekeeping to write a blog about tweens. And so I as I always had, had done and I think I sensed that I was sicker than anybody was noticing or realizing or recognizing, I uh front I just front loaded and wrote six weeks worth of blogs and when I so that when I got diagnosed I could just dole them out every week. Here's three more, here's three more, here's three more and I didn't have to write them. <laughs> I was also writing a book at the same time, and that was due at the end of the, uh, due in August, and this was June when I was in the hospital. So they gave me an extension. And honestly, writing it without kids running around was <laughs> <in the hospital laughs> much easier. <laughs> it, no one was interrupting me and in asking for snacks.
0: <laughs> and it's weird because people listening to this are probably going to be like, "Why didn't she just put the book aside and 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 no, you know not do this?" <laughs>
1: You know, I needed, yes, I could have, mm-hmm. that, that is, that's is not how I operate, it, it, it's because I needed a place to go where things were still normal and that place was in the book.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And I can definitely see how taking a hospital experience and saying, sure. "Oh, it's quiet," you know, I get, get it done here. <laughs> <laughs> but when did it? I mean, obviously, it affected you in some way, you know. What, what, were, what would be some tips? Like, because there, I've been through it. You know that. Um, uh-huh. You know, raising kids. Well, I, I had my my breast cancer experience later. I had my thyroid experience when they were younger. Um, uh-huh. It wasn't as intense as what you went through but it still changes you and it still affects your daily life Um, what tips would you give and didn't you start also a parenting and and cancer website at one point as well?
1: Yeah that still exists, I haven't kept it up it's called parentingwithcancer.com it's still up so if anyone is going through that right now and the reason why I started it was because I I would google parents and cancer and get parents whose kids had cancer Mm -hmm. there wasn't anything on how do you do this when you're sick so I, And I kept that up for a little while. Um, so some of the tips I would give are, first and foremost, tell your kids. Don't keep it from them. They know something is going on. Um, you know, obviously I was bald and had I, I looked like Frankenstein, so I was going to have to explain that to them. Um, but, you know, age appropriate, explain it to them, because they will fill it in with something that's worse, and they won't trust you
0: mm-hmm. because they
1: know something's wrong. Um, that's the first thing. The next thing is is ask for specific help because people will say if there's anything I can do. Well, you can't. You need to tell them what to do. So I had two friends. One who uh, organized people to cook for us, and our house was also under renovations at the same time, so we <laughs> had no kitchen. Wow. Yeah, so, hey, listen, I had no kitchen. People were cooking for me. That kind of worked out well. (laughs) (laughs) I don't recommend doing it that way, but people would come and and not just cook for me. She would be very specific about what they would cook, so I wouldn't wind up with three lasagnas in one week. There would be a menu, and this person's bringing this on Monday, and this person's bringing this on Wednesday. That was hugely helpful. And then another friend set up play dates and – different things for my, and take my kids to swim practice. It was, this was mostly over the summer. So to keep them busy and entertained so that I could lie on the couch and listen to the, people hammer in the
0: kitchen <laughs> what would you suggest to people who have deadlines like you did during well, during this like how do you because you you get afraid to tell your editors that you're sick yeah. because you don't want to lose work but at the same right. time you don't want them to not know in case something goes wrong so how do you balance that
1: so it's the same thing as when you're not sick and that's to underpromise and over deliver Mm-hmm. You're just adjusting what that is, you know, when you're healthy, you can, that's a higher level when you're not healthy, it's a lower level and build in days. So if you know, it's going to take you a week to get something done, build in another week because somewhere in there you might wind up with, you know, your, your, your white blood cells are too low and you got to go in and see your doctor or whatever. You don't know what's going to happen. So build an extra time, um, and be realistic. Don't try and be superwoman or superman. Um, that this is no time. My, my now ex mother in law said one of the greatest phrases ever said to me was was when I had cancer. She goes, "Now is time to be a little selfish," mm-hmm. and that is that's what you have to do. So you prioritize things for work that you have to pay for things, and you don't owe anything more than what you what you offered.
0: Absolutely, and I want to correct you on something, because you oh. did not look like Frankenstein, because I remember you did hats, and I, did wigs. Wigs. Wig yep. I remember that, and I remember you posting different wigs that you would put on, and when I went through it and lost my hair, like I that was the first thing that popped into my head, was I want to be like Jen. She uh, had fun with it. It it's yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you find and before we even talk about COVID, you find just and and I, I don't know how to phrase this, but you seem very um determined and very positive and where does that come from? Because there are a lot of people who aren't this way and you come across as very strong to me and I'm sure you had bad days.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't want anyone to think. I, I never want anyone to think that I didn't have bad days. That I've not had bad. That's what I'm writing about now, and I know we're gonna get to that in a minute. It, it, I I feel it all, the good and the bad, and I'm not afraid to share that I had a crappy day and that it's not all great. But my sense of humor, and my whole family has a sense of humor. I'm the only one making money at it. <laughs> My sense of humor gets me through everything. So mm-hmm. I'll, I will. I can't get through an interview without quoting Bruce Springsteen. Mm-hmm. Someday we'll look back on this and it will all seem funny.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There is something funny in everything, even in horrible things. And if I can find the funny, I can get through the day.
0: Wow. And this isn't funny, but then you got a one-two punch and you got hit with COVID. Oh. Um. Tell my listeners, like, you, this was last June or May? When were you diagnosed with it?
1: So I actually had it last February. I think I caught it on a train to Boston, and then, not knowing what I had, got on a plane to Seattle and spread it from coast to coast Ugh. because they were not, Testing it. It was actually a year ago this week that I went wound up in an urgent care center in rural Washington state, where they ruled out influenza A, influenza B, strep throat, all the things, but no one had a COVID test. So I had COVID, um, and it went really honestly. It was like three weeks of having a mild bronchitis, and then it went away. Mm-hmm. But it did a number on my heart. And on uh, by April, I wound up in the ER with a third-degree heart block, which means the electrical system in my heart had shut down, and eventually my heart would shut down.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I needed to get a pacemaker at the age of 53, and I, I, I have it now. It's, and, of course, it's because I've, it's me. It's on the opposite side. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not even going to go into that, but, of course, it's on the opposite side of that people normally get it. Um, and uh, I have heart failure. And so, um, I wound up five days in the hospital, and, of course, alone because you couldn't have anyone in. This was April twenty twenty in New Jersey, the height of covid. Mm-hmm. I was one of the first people on earth to have this damn disease, and now I've got heart failure because of it,
0: but you have been di- diag not diagnosing, but you have been documenting what you've uh-huh. been going through through uh-huh. something that you call. Prednis. Pred. I, why can't I do that? Prednis um, songs. Prednis songs. songs. And where did this idea come from? Because again, you have taken something that you are going through that will just knock other people out, and you take it and you use it, and you take your feelings and put them out there. Why and where did this come from?
1: <laughs> okay, so, um, why? Well, first of all, they have been on very high doses of prednisone since last July, and my face is now the size of Montana, um, and it keeps me up at night. Mm-hmm. So I'm up in the middle of the night, sometimes for hours, and thinking about things. I might as well write. Mm-hmm. And I, it started with, I don't know, I posted a song. I think it was in August. I posted a song that sort of tied tied into how I was feeling and then that just became a thing. Every night there's a song that I pick out because honestly, that's how my brain thinks. Songs are in my head all of the time. Lyrics pop into my head all of the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm just relaying what's in my head and then writing a, a story around it. Last night it was about the finally recognizing the 500,000 people who died of COVID and the long haulers left in its wake I wrote about that last night, and the song was uh, the Black Crows seeing things, you know, seeing things for the first time, mm-hmm. because it felt like uh, that we are finally being seen for the first time. And it's just how I feel. Listen, doesn't it all go back to everyone's childhood when you weren't allowed to share your feelings because we're a bunch of wasps and we <laughs> weren't allowed to have yep. feelings, you were allowed to be funny. Mm-hmm. And so I can write about it as long as I'm funny in it and that's where this all started
0: (laughs) when you started posting it did you start hearing from other people who had been through what you've gone through and what kind of reaction were you getting from people
1: you know what's really interesting about this in particular compared to writing about cancer which i did as well is that this covid affects the entire world whether you have been sick because of it or not, it's affecting your life. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's why, even though there are people who either don't know anyone who've had it or never seen it, you know, haven't had it that bad, or they still can feel the, you know, we're all trapped inside because there's a pandemic. That stuff is resonating with people and also the universal truth of I just don't believe that we all have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, be strong, and be positive all of the time.
0: Mm -hmm. It may look
1: that way that I can do that, but the only reason I can do that is by accepting and acknowledging the bad feelings too.
0: So is it kind of therapeutic for you to do this, and do you have any intention on taking this to like a book or, Uh you know, same with the heartbroken um, Uh posts that you do as well?
1: Yes, it's therapy. Writing has always been therapy for me. Even if I'm ghostwriting something for someone else, it still feels like therapy. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just the I, I get into this mode where I'm just channeling. It doesn't even feel like I'm writing it, and it, it's magical mm-hmm. uh, that 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 I was given this gift that any writer is given the gift to put words together in such a way that make people cry, make people laugh, make people understand things, see things. That is a gift. And I I think I knew it before, but after COVID, almost dying a second time was like, man, you better do something good with this this time, you know? Um, Not that I didn't do it before, but you're still here for a reason, so let's do something with it and uh so the other part of your question, what was the other part of your question? Lisa said? Uh, no,
0: that's okay. Um, what about like, are you taking this to a book, oh, or yeah, okay,
1: yes, actually, my goal is to go back to the mama said days, the twenty twenty one style, and that is I want to create a book, a podcast, a class, and speeches, in fact. I have a speech I'm going to be doing in TEDx Asbury Park, which was supposed to be last year, then it was this year, now it's next year, mm-hmm. and it's why we're terrible at cheering people up, and it's all related to everything I just told you about. This is my message that I want to get out to people.
0: You know, when you start in life and you want to be a writer, you don't think, I'm going to get cancer, I'm going to get COVID, <laughs> and that's what I'm going to write about. Um, are you at a point where this is this is going to be continue to be your focus or if you could take this and put it aside, what else would you write?
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> what else would I write? If you don't if you don't write about the the thing that you want to teach people, mm-hmm. then what do you write about? And the thing that I want to teach people comes from what I've learned, which comes from the crappy things that have happened to me. Mm-hmm. You know what it is that like? Rick Warren has said, that your greatest mission comes from your biggest hurt.
0: Mm-hmm. That
1: That's what I'm doing.
0: You're amazing. You are amazing. Um, now, what I always ask every writer is give me a peek into your day. <laughs> I know life is different this year, but... You know, tell me a little bit about how you manage this on a day-to-day basis. How do you work? You know, give me a peek.
1: It all depends on how much sleep I had the night before lately. I'm getting more sleep now because I'm on less of the steroid. Um, But that does currently affect me and how I'm feeling. Basically, my mornings are when I feel the best, even if I haven't slept as well the night before. And so I will have you know i'm usually at my desk by 8 sometimes earlier and i will work on like i right now i'll tell you right now what i'm doing i just i just lied edited the, the beginning of a speech with a client for an hour i i am ghostwriting someone else's speech i am ghostwriting a novel which is a blast wow it's, Fiction and it's so much fun. Um, and I'm you know thirty some thousand words into that, so I'll probably work start working on the next chapter of that today. So most of the writing will happen in the morning, and then in the afternoon, that's when I'll do smaller smaller things. I don't generally don't feel as creative in the afternoon. I also start to get tired. Sometimes I need a nap, depending on my health.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then uh, now I'm doing cardiac rehab in the afternoon, so I, I'm I'm getting physical. Going out and exercising.
0: <laughs> you go, Olivia. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I need that band. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where can everybody follow you um, oh. so that they keep up with what you're doing and all this stuff you have going on?
1: So I have made all of my Predna songs and my Heartbroken posts public on my Facebook page for now. That's where they will be. Um, I actually own the vanity gen dot singer. Do you remember like we had to stay up till midnight to get the vanity thing, something like ten <laughs> years ago? Do you know how many Jennifer singers there are? Oh, I beat them all. So you'll be able to find me. And and you can follow me, you know, like I said, they're public posts so if you don't have to friend me to even see them. And then eventually I'm gonna turn this into something else. So hopefully you'll be able to buy a book, listen to a podcast. I just have to figure out how I'm going to take over the world now.
0: I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that you will take over the world. (laughs) And um, I will be your pinky to your brain. (laughs) <laughs> Did I get that right? <laughs> Did I Get the right what character do
1: tonight, Bray. <laughs> you are I awesome. Do it every night. Yep,
0: yep. Um, I am so so happy that you came on this show, and thank you so much for being here. And hopefully, like I said, down the road when you get the book out and the podcast out, maybe we can do yeah. this again. Video though. I was, I'm, I'm going
1: to hold you to that.
0: Definitely. All right, okay. Jim, You take care of yourself.
1: Thank you. All right.
0: Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Well, that's it for this edition of the Right Start Podcast. And if you are feeling as inspired as I am by listening to that interview, that's awesome. Jen, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you all for listening. Please follow me on Instagram at The Virgin Traveler as well as at The Right Start Podcast. And if you like what you heard on this podcast, please share it. Leave me a rating or a review wherever you listen to The Right Start. Thanks again. I'll see you next time.